Well, good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. My name is Stephen Petrie, and I've had the privilege of being a member and being at Grace Fellowship for a little under 10 years now, where I spent several years leading the independent student ministry that uh, Tanner Cox is now leading and doing a fantastic job at. And now I have the privilege of serving as the director of groups. So I'm honored and excited and privileged on this community group Sunday to get to open God's word with you and share about why we need other individuals in our lives in order to grow and change in ways that we could never do alone. Now, ever since the beginning in Genesis chapter two, God says that it's not good for man to live life alone. He brings a helper in Eve. And then the book of Ecclesiastes that we spent the whole summer studying, Solomon pins the simple but profound words that two are better than one. But what we also see in our sinful flesh and our sinful hearts is a desire for autonomy, to be one's own self, to be separated from one another. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve first commit their sin against God, they're found hiding in the garden, covered themselves with fig leaves. While it doesn't appear that anyone I think is hiding here this morning, unless you're just really good at it, there is in all of us a propensity to want to hide from others, to put on our best selves, to cover up our insecurities and our transgressions and make ourselves look as good as we can to other people. And in doing so, we can be tempted to live the lie that we can be close to God while at the same time never really getting that close to other people. Which is why, especially in a church like ours, it can be a temptation because of the great, solid, biblical preaching that brings many of you to grace To be deceived into thinking that because you are taking in such good biblical knowledge that you're actually changing and growing. And while we need the preaching of God's word, because in order to be saved, someone has to hear. In order to hear, someone has to be preached to. We need to likewise not just be taking in information because knowledge puffs up. But to be doers of the word and not just hearers. So it's my desire that After this message, those of you who are still living disconnected from the body of Christ, living in isolation, or maybe are going to groups or living life with other believers, but still putting on barriers and walls between you and others, that you would see of your need in order to change and grow and be transformed to be living in intimate Christian community. And for those of you all who are are connected to groups, or maybe you're even a leader of a group, to be reminded of why Grace Fellowship harps upon groups so much. Because we believe that transformation is more important than just information. And that people transform best as we rub shoulders alongside other believers, living out the Christian life with one another. So I hope this reminds you of why we so desperately need other believers in order to walk out the Christian life for the long haul. Because yes, God did individually and personally save his people, right? We see that before the beginning of time, he's predestined and elected and sovereignly chose who he would show mercy to. But while yes, we are individually and personally saved from God's wrath, we are also saved into the people of God to no longer live isolated from each other. So this morning, I'm going to share with you all five sobering results 
of trying to live the Christian life isolated from the family of God. And I pray that in doing so, you would see your need, if you're a part of this church family, to be in community groups where you can be discipled, where you can be loved, where you can be challenged, where you can be encouraged, where you can faithfully walk out your relationship with Christ till the end. So, result number one of living the Christian life isolated from the family of God. You will miss out if you stay disconnected from other believers or superficially in relationships of maybe surface level type, you will miss out on a main way that God comforts and gives grace to his people. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. And we're going to use a lot of different scripture this morning, so if you can't keep up with me, just know it's all in your bulletins as well. But 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, it says... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. And if we just pause there, it can be easy to then think, well, well, look, what do I need other people for? It's God who comforts me in all my affliction. And I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, which you do if you're a believer. You've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. But look at one of the ways by which God comforts his people. The next verse. It says, Who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted for, are comforted by God. You see, a means by which God desires to comfort you when you feel like you're hurting, or you are broken, or you are wounded, or you are carrying burdens that feel unbearable, is by the people of God who have experienced the comfort of God coming alongside you and comforting you with the comfort by which they themselves have experienced by God. And one of the reasons that God comforts us in our affliction is not so we can only just come on Sunday mornings and sing songs about how comforted we now are, But it's so that we, out of the comfort with which we experience by God, would get intimately involved in the lives of other believers in order to comfort them with the comfort we were extended. It's so that you would be a way by which the Spirit extends God's comfort to other believers in real and tangible ways. So if you aren't in community if you're disconnected from other believers, you are missing out on parts of the comfort, and we'll talk about it in a second, grace, that God designed to be extended to you through the family of God. And there are others who God has orchestrated the events in their life in such a way that the comfort which you have experienced would be the tangible comfort and grace of God to them. So absolutely, it is God who is the comforter. And it is the spirit within believers that is comforting them. But that comfort is meant to be experienced in community. As believers in the family of God are sharing life with one another and experiencing the comfort of God together. We have the privilege as believers of manifesting God's tangible comfort to each other. So that as you experienced a chronic illness, or you experienced a broken marriage, or you experienced bearing a loved one, 
When others who are close to your life then walk through similar things, they experience the comfort of God. It's the very reason we have Testimony Sundays, right? Just like last week, where people come up here and they, they share about how God has comforted them and what God is doing in their life, that maybe the story's not ended yet, or maybe it has, and they proclaim God's goodness to them. And we in the crowd experience God's comfort to us as they proclaim what God has done for them. But that is just something that we, that we do one week or two weeks out of the year. In community groups, you have the opportunity to week by week by week be sharing in one another's comfort and be sharing in one another's afflictions in the middle of each other's testimonies, at the beginning of each other's testimonies and extend and receive the tangible grace and comfort of God. But as long as you keep other believers at arm's length, you also keep God's comfort and God's grace at arm's length. The grace that God has given to believers to extend to one another. Look at 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. It says, above all, keep Loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied, say it with me, grace. God's grace. You know, Pastor Brad likes to say that every believer is a grace dispenser. Meaning that if you want to receive more of God's grace, get around the people of God. We are to be good stewards of God's varied grace, giving it out generously to one another. So that as you desire to experience more of God's grace, yes, we should sit under biblical preaching where our hearts and minds can be renewed through the word of God. And yes, we should spend personal time studying God's word, his word that is sharper than any double-edged sword, able to pierce through bone and marrow. And yes, we should spend time praying as the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. But another easy way to experience the grace of God is simply by being near to God's people. And not just physically near, as we're all near to one another in this room today, but in the mess and intimately close, bearing burdens with one another and comforting one another so that as you do life together and pray with each other and mourn with one another and laugh with one another and serve with one another and encourage one another, you receive the tangible comfort and grace of God. So that when others see in your life how you were able to experience the comforting power of God as you walked through your brokenness and your unanswered questions and your pain and your suffering and your trials. And then someone else that is close to you experiences similar things. They then get to experience the comforting power of God through you. But you'll miss out on that opportunity as long as you keep your relationship with Christ individually focused. When our relationship with Christ is meant to be experienced as a body. So, if you want to experience more of God's comfort and grace, and how could you not? Those who have tasted of the goodness of God and experienced his blessings that are forevermore, then join a community group 
this year where you'll be around other believers week by week, involved in the lives of each other, experiencing the comfort and grace of God that you could never do isolated from the people of God. Result number two. So number one, you'll miss out on a main way God comforts and gives grace to his people. And result number two, if you live isolated and disconnected from the people of God, you will fail to see things about yourself that God wants you to see. You know, this is something that we talk a lot about at Grace, especially in the context of biblical counseling, right? Where we're sitting down with people and opening up God's word and trying to get them to see things about themselves that maybe they've been blind to for their entire life. And God delights in using other believers that he's put closely into your life to speak things to you that you may not be able to see alone. You know, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the heart is what? Deceitful. Above all things, and utterly wicked, and who can understand it? Yet we love to tell ourselves that we have all that we need within us. That you um, have Jesus, and that you and Jesus is all that you need. And while Jesus is all that you need in order to be reconciled to a holy God, Christ desires to do a whole lot more in you and through you in the context of the church. Your heart your flesh, the world around you are constantly lying to you, telling you that you have all that you need within yourself. But God's word says that within ourself is deceit, a deceitful heart, a deceitful sin, a deceitful flesh, a deceitful enemy, which we'll talk about soon. Now, I saw a few years ago a big billboard, and it said, Healthcare for the universe of you. Our whole world is screaming that the universe revolves around you. To just be yourself, to follow what the universe of you desires. To go after your heart and your passion and what feels good and what the universe of you wants. But thankfully, God has been so gracious to us that he didn't leave us alone to just follow the universe of you but has purchased us and has made us a body united in Christ with one another, where others can speak truth into areas that we are blind to, and they can, by the Spirit of God in them, help us to see things that we can't see. But in order for people to be able to effectively do that, we'll have to be willing to give other people a pass, to speak hard truth into our lives. And in order for them to be able to speak hard truth into our lives, They'll need to be intimately knowing us and spending regularly, regular time with us so that they can see when we're discouraged and we're struggling or we're wandering off into dark places. Which is why we're commanded in Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. That says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another, Every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, if you know and believe God's word to be true, then we should have a humble recognition of the deceitfulness of our own sin. And therefore desire that as many people as possible would be close to our lives to be able to exhort us daily to walk in the Lord. To be faithful until the end. 
to take care lest there be in any of us an evil, unbelieving heart that would lead us to fall away from the living God. And while some of us may be thinking that, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm just not that kind of person, right? I'm, I'm more of an introvert. I'm more of a homebody. I don't really need, you know, other people in my life. I, I, I just like being out on my own. That would warn you that God's word that says that being out on your own will lead you to bad places. It will deceive you. That's why we see in 1 Peter 5, 8 that says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And while we don't need to live in fear of our enemy, Satan, that you know, we've been risen up in the heavenly places with, with Christ and we have power over things of darkness, we should have a watchful and sober-minded attitude towards the deceitfulness of sin and an enemy that is a liar and wants to tear down your witness before others. You know, you, when you picture a lion prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour, he comes up on a group of gazelles, right? And he sees the ones that are all together, watching after one another, carefully being close and near to each other. And is he going to attack those gazelles or the one that has wandered off on its own, distracted, following whatever it desires, looking for its own food, separated from the strength that comes with being a part of the flock, the community. Likewise, you are in great danger when you're alone. But there's great hope and great strength when we are found in the community of God, the people of God who he's designed us to be where we can be encouraged, where we can be loved, where we can be challenged, where we can be discipled, where we can be greater sanctified. As we put off the old self and put on the new, as we reject the lies and attacks of the enemy and become more like Christ. Pastor John Piper said that sanctification is a community project. Sanctification is a community project. It's within the community that you experience not just the information of God, but the transforming power of the Spirit. As other believers are gently encouraging you and pointing out things in your life that you may not see with gentleness, with grace, with patience, with kindness, and without a love for you to exhort you to follow Christ. That's why we need each other as we recognize that we have an enemy that seeks to devour us, so we should, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. So if you want people to be close enough to you that they could encourage you daily, that they could spur you on, that they could exhort you, that they could meet together with you, so they could see things about you that you may not see that God wants you to see, that they could protect you from temptation, that they could snatch you out of the fire when they realize that you are wandering off, then join a community group where people will be able to do that regularly. So if you seek to live the life following Christ, separated from other believers, 
You'll miss out on a main way that God desires to comfort and give grace to you. You'll fail to see things about yourself that God wants you to see. And result number three, you'll hoard your gifts to yourself and you'll lack the gifts that you need from others. See, every believer who has been saved has received the promised Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's a guarantee of our eternal salvation, of our internal inheritance that is awaiting for us. And the Spirit within each of us has given us gifts, given us things not for the betterment of you as an individual, but for the betterment and for the building up of the body of Christ. You'll see that none of the gifts that we've been given can be used simply in isolation, but have been used to build up the church. Look at Romans chapter 12, Romans 12, 4 through 7. It says, For as in one body, once again, like you're going to see so much of this theme of oneness. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Notice that all the gifts that were, that were listed were listed for the purpose of serving another. That they weren't just for the, the individual to be built up, but we are called or the individual to hoard, but to use them. To use them in the context of the church. You can't just be generous and give money to yourself. That's saving. That's not giving. You can't just lead yourself. You're called to lead others. You can't give mercy to yourself. It's, it's to be given to another. You can't just serve yourself. That's just doing what you want. But to serve another. None of the gifts can be used in isolation from believers. If you look then in Ephesians 6, you'll see the same theme. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 4. Or Ephesians 4, starting in verse 4. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. In verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And again, if the passage stopped there, you could think to yourself, Oh, well, it must be the pastor's. It's the preachers, it's the teachers, it's the evangelists that build up the body of Christ, right? It's, it's the gifts that are the most expressive and, and on stage that is meant to be the way by which I am built up. So if I come to church and I sit in the chairs and I hear a sermon, then I am built up and so is the body. But it keeps going. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, 
joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Notice this next part. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So how do we no longer be tossed to and fro? And how do we no longer be deceived by human human cunning, the deceitfulness of sin? And how do we grow up into mature manhood in the fullness of the stature of the fullness of Christ? As each part is working properly, the body builds itself up in love. Which means you. Which means the part of the body that you are, that God has given you, that we're not all the same, that we're not all a foot, we're not all a head, we're not all a hand. But we need one another in order to be built up. So as long as you are living disconnected from each other, you are failing to be a part of doing your part to build up the body of Christ. And you miss out and we miss out. And no matter how insignificant you may think that your gifts are, there is not significance found in the gifts themselves, but in the significance of the one who gave them to you. The power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in you has given you gifts in order to use properly to build up the body of Christ so that you are strong where others are weak and you are weak where others are strong so that we need one another in, in, in order to be complete, in order to be fully mature, in order to grow up in every way, to be built up in love by the Spirit. So we need one another and you need one another And if you want to have a place where you can use the gifts that God has given you, the gifts that you may not even fully realize yet, and maybe that's why you need point two, someone else to be able to see things about you that that you can't see in a positive way. Maybe they see things positively about you that you've been blind to, and they see works of the Spirit in your life that you can't see. But you want to use the gifts that you've been given because we need you to do that in order for the church to be built up, for the body to be built up in love. Then join a community group where you'll live life closely with people, where someone may have a gift of hospitality and someone else a gift of teaching and someone else a gift of, of generosity and mercy and someone else able to speak hard truth when needed. And the body can be built up completely. But as long as you live life isolated from other people, you'll miss out on a main way God comforts and gives grace to his people. You'll fail to see things about yourself that God wants you to see. You'll hoard your gifts to yourself and therefore not, have, not need them for anything because they're not meant for you as an individual. And you'll miss out on the gifts of others. Result number four, you'll provide the world with an incomplete picture of the gospel. The gospel that is uh, uh, about buying us and perching us as individuals into a family where we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And our community is the best evangelistic tool we have to a dying and broken world. A world that knows nothing of the community that can be experienced in Christ. That no longer has anything that separates us from one another, whether economic class or political party or culture or sin or race or uh, hurtful history. But that we've been purchased as a body and as a family, as sons and daughters of the king. That is the full picture of the gospel that the world needs to see where we see in Galatians 3, 26, this this image of all people being united in Christ, which is not experienced anywhere else other than the church, where it says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. 
For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is now neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heir according, heirs according to the promise. There's no longer anything that separates us as we all recognize that we were on an even playing field as sinners before God, deserving of God's wrath, but having been recipients of mercy. So we can love one another and build one another up and serve one another and lay our lives down for one another in ways that the world cannot. And in doing so, the world gets a picture of the gospel and of the hope that we have. That's why Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five, by this, the whole world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that type of love that the world needs to see in order to know that we are the disciples of Christ, disciples of Christ can't be had at a relational distance. It's not true love if you're just apart from other people and saying that you love one another, but love is experienced as you get into the mess of life with each other. As you go through hard things, as you're sinned against and you sin against others and you forgive and you receive forgiveness, as you serve when it's difficult, as you build up rather than tearing down. And this is meant, our community, to be a billboard of the gospel to the world. That's why we see in 1 Peter 2, 8 through 9, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's the gospel. So as long as we live life isolated from other believers, we're living as if we have not been saved. We're living as if we are still not a people. But we're not not a people. Now we are God's people. We're living as if we have still not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. And as the family of God, the chosen people, the holy nation, the royal priesthood comes comes together and lives life with one another, we are able to better proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And that is a picture of the gospel that the world needs to see. That the world fails to sometimes see when we get into habits of going to church rather than being the church with one another. That this is a service that we, that we come to in order to praise and worship corporately and hear God's word and be spurred on and have our minds renewed. But then we must live it out day by day in the real world where people can see the truth of Christ. The world around us is still lost without hope, is still alienated from the promises of God, is still orphaned and needs to see the people of God living as the people of God in order to see the gospel. So if you want to be a billboard for the world, to see a full picture of the gospel, if you want to be used by God to proclaim his excellencies to a dying world, you guessed it, join a community group. Be intimately involved in the lives of other believers, where they can see your love for one another and know that you are disciples of Christ, where you can put into practice now what it means to be the people of God. But if you live life disconnected from others, superficially walking through relationships, or maybe you're in community groups or you're in these relationships, but you're still covering up, not willing to be vulnerable, not willing to be seen, 
then you'll miss out on the comfort and grace that God desires to extend to you. You'll fail to see things about yourself God wants you to see. You'll hoard your gifts to yourself and miss out on the gifts of others. You'll paint an incomplete picture of the gospel to a dying, broken world. And lastly, you'll begin living as if this is your home and forget about your eternal dwelling. Or, like I said, I think exactly on the point, you'll forget about your eternal dwelling and live as if this world is your home. When I was a freshman in college, I spent 13 weeks at a summer camp in North Carolina. And at this camp, we would spend time with kids anywhere from first graders to eighth graders. So they'd get brought, they'd get dropped off, a bunch of random kids. I would get them for the week, depending upon what age group it was. I'd stay in the cabins with them and get them ready in the morning, take them to their meals, take them to different activities. And we had all sorts of stuff that we could do at this camp. It was a really, really cool camp. But during the first two weeks of camp, it was just training. So they took us that were going to be leaders and they trained us on how to use the rock wall, how to use the zip line. We got lifeguards certified for for lakes and waterfalls and rivers. Uh, We walked through the caves that we were going to be able to take the kids through. But one of the pieces of training that we did in those first two weeks was how do you deal with some of the more personal things that may come up while you're at camp, while first graders are away from home, hours away in the middle of the woods, right? One of those things being, especially at night, where kids get homesick, right? Which I still feel uncomfortable saying the word. Can you guys say it for me? Homesick, homesick. Because at this camp, we were not allowed under any circumstances to say the word. Seriously, it was like they would punch you if you said it. Like it was very, very serious. So instead, we had to say the code word, which was HS. So we'd like on the walk, you'd be like, Hey, you know, one of my kids just caught a case of HS and everyone thinks they're like dying of a disease, but really they're just missing home. But we cannot say the word HS, the word that HS stands for that will not be named anymore for the rest of the sermon. We cannot say that word. But what we would do is if a kid gets HS, normally it would happen at night, right? They start crying, they're missing home. Before you know it, everybody's missing home. So what we would do if someone had HS, first step was we'd take them, we'd isolate them from everybody else for a period of time, So we had multiple leaders. I'd take the kid outside. I'd start talking to them, hopefully get them away from everybody else before everybody has HS. I'd start talking with them. And then the second thing we would do is we try to just distract them with all the things we're going to do at camp, right? This is like no, like everyone knows this if you're like a parent, right? Just start telling them, hey, you know, tomorrow we're going to go to the zip line and you're going to get to jump in the lake and we're going to have s'mores at night. And once they started getting so excited about the things they were going to do at camp, you know, they'd slowly forget that they were missing home to begin with. And we take them back in the room. But see, friends, this is exactly what our enemy wants to do with us as believers to make us forget about our homesickness. To separate us from one another, have you disconnected from the rest of the people of God, distract you with the things to do here and now in this world so that you'll forget about home and hopefully no one else catches HS either. Read with me in 2 Corinthians 4. 15. 2 Corinthians 4, 15. It says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Or as for, for homesick, which I said I wouldn't say, but as for homesick extends, homesickness extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our eternal dwelling. You see, the body of Christ is meant to remind us that we are not home, that this life is temporary, that this is just an earthly tent, that we're just at camp, that one day this will go away, but we will have an eternal dwelling if we are in Christ Jesus and have been bought with the blood of Christ, that this will all pass away, that moths and robbers can come in and destroy and steal what we have in this life, that this is temporary, that our suffering is momentary, but our eternal dwelling is coming soon. And the communal groanings of God's people living closely to one another is meant to be the homesick cries of people that are ready to go home. And the homesick cries of people that are not without hope, but that have great hope, knowing that he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies. That's why we're commanded, like we said earlier in Hebrews 10, 25, to not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Intimate Christian community is where you're reminded that you're a part of the people of God and where you can begin living as the people of God right now. And that we have an eternal kingdom coming where Jeremiah 32.8 says that he will be our God and we will be his people. And you can begin living as the people of God now in community groups where you can comfort one another and give grace to one another with the comfort and grace that you have received in your affliction, where you can exhort one another and speak truth to one another with things that you and others may not be able to see, where you can use the gifts that God has given you by his spirit to serve another, where you can paint a full picture of the gospel to a dying, broken world, where you can be reminded that you are not home. Week by week, re-reminded, because we need it often, that we are not home that we have much more coming for us, and that the Spirit has sealed our inheritance as a promise. So this year, commit to being known. Be vulnerable. Show up to group when you feel like it and when you don't. When life is busy and when it's calm. When you feel far from God dealing with tough sin and when you feel on the spiritual mountaintop. When you want to be alone from other people and when you want others near. Spur one another on. Be and live as God's people. Praise God that you don't have to live life alone, but have been given a spiritual family to live life with. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, speaks about how there are believers in some other parts of the world who do not get to experience living everyday life with other believers whether they're imprisoned or exiled or separated in some shape or form from the people of God, they long for what we often neglect. He says this in his first chapter. He said, It is true, of course, that what is an unexpected gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us that the time that still separates us from utter loneliness may be brief indeed. 
Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. Don't waste this semester where you have an opportunity to live in community with Christian brethren. On the back of your bulletin, there's a list of all the open groups across all of Grace Fellowship Church. We have 33, actually 34 groups. The Nielsen group is also open, but they're not listed. 34 groups that have room for them across our church that want to have people like you involved in them. And in the lobby this morning, you'll see stands of group leaders that would love to talk to you about their group and tell you the dates and times that they meet and invite you in. Take the opportunity that God has given you to get involved if you are not. And if you are already plugged into community, that I encourage you once again to be known, to be seen, and to act as the people of God, comforting one another and speaking to one another and painting a picture of the gospel and using your gifts and reminding each other daily that we are not home. There's much more waiting for us. Get plugged in this year and see what God will do in and through you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have not left us on our own, that you have saved us, but then you have called us into the people of God. God, thank you for relationships and for brothers and sisters that recognize that we are all sinners and have been saved by a great Savior. God, I ask that we would encourage one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds daily, that we would protect one another, unless any of us have an evil, unbelieving heart that would lead us to fall away from the living God. God, I ask for any that are not in community now, that you would spur them on to seek out relationships where they can be known and loved and built up into the image of Christ. God, thank you for your grace that made a way for broken sinners like us to be made right with you. Love you. Jesus, I pray. Amen.